there's a lot of jacks of all trades or jills of all trades out there. And I don't know, I feel like with any industry, no matter what industry you're in, there is too much information out there. There's too many specialties and arms and branches that it's impossible to be good at everything. And so what I would rather do is be good at one thing, be acceptable at other things, and then have a really good team that I can refer out to for the stuff that I don't feel confident at tackling myself. Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat Podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. In this episode, I'm excited to introduce you to Michelle Stern of Pooch Parenting. She's built a niche business around helping families with new babies or small children who need dog training support. You know, I love talking about niching down. Michelle shares her perspective on the value and importance of narrowing down what you offer to your audience. There is such a thing as too much information, and really, it's impossible to be good at everything. I loved Michelle's advice to focus on one thing that you're really good at, and there may be other things that you do an acceptable job at, and then maybe you have a team that you can work with to outsource work to that you're not confident in tackling yourself. Michelle does a much better job at explaining it than I do, so let's jump into the interview. While you're listening, I'd love to see what else you do while you catch up on your favorite podcast, the Wear Wag Repeat podcast, of course. (laughs) Are you walking the dog, sewing bandanas, or maybe driving somewhere exciting with your dog? Snap a selfie and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Wear Wag Repeat. I would love to share your post. Michelle Stern is a certified professional dog trainer, dog behavior consultant, mom, and former classroom teacher. With over 16 years of teaching experience, Michelle loves both the human and canine members of dog families, which shows in her warm and supportive demeanor with clients. She specializes in working with families who are expecting babies and those who already have children and dogs. Michelle created the Thriving Parents of Kids and Dogs monthly membership to help parents raise safe and happy kids, both four-legged and two-legged, together without fear, overwhelm, and chaos. She also runs several online dog training courses, a thriving Facebook community, and hosts a new podcast. Hey, Michelle. Wow, listening to that made me tired. (laughs) You're doing a lot of things. I'm doing a lot of things. Wow. Join the club. I know. (laughs) I also do a lot of things. (laughs) I know you do. We have a lot in common, I think. I think so, which is why I'm so excited to finally get the chance to talk to each other and um, geek out on online courses and memberships and communities. And, um, you know, we both work in pretty specific niches. Um, So so I think we have a lot to talk about for sure. I'm excited. Why don't you, first of all, um, take a chance to kind of introduce yourself to the listeners. How did you first get interested in um, dog training and and what led you? Was there like a certain 
event that led you to specialize in parents and kids and dogs? That's a really good question. You know, it's funny. I I was that kid who always wanted to be a vet growing up. And I read all of the James Harriet books, the all creatures, great and small books. And I was telling my parents, I was moving to England when I grew up to go be just like James Harriet and go to vet school. And they just rolled their eyes at me. Um, but I, I did all the things, you know, I worked for vets. I volunteered at the animal shelter and I was even, I spent several summers as a dog bather at a grooming shop. I don't recommend that job. That was probably a very wet and smelly summer. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You have no idea. Um, anyway, I do have some stories for, for another day. Um, but I got to college and I found that organic chemistry was sort of that filter class that just filtered me out of the potential of going to vet school because it was just so hard and, um, nearly did me in, but I ended up teaching high school biology instead, which still allowed me to focus on animals and try to get other people excited about animals and the environment. So I still felt like I was on the right track. And then I had kids and I I founded a cooking school for children, which is so funny and fun. And I did a lot of work with toddlers for that. Um, and but all the while, you know, having my own dogs. And then I got reconnected with a mentor that I had from when I was younger at the shelter and started taking classes from her again, all because a girlfriend called me. She was getting a new dog and she said, Michelle, who do I call? Who is the expert? Because I need help with this one thing. And I said, I know who you should call. And I sent her to my mentor, which then sent me back to my mentor. It was the coolest thing. And I ended up just re-sparking that passion. And I decided that There are a lot of families that need support um, who have kids and dogs, and it could take advantage of my experience as a mom and as a teacher, and now with my rekindled passion and and newfound certification and stuff within dog training. So it was kind of this cycle. It was a long time coming, but I felt like all of my experiences sort of came full circle. And now I have this little bundle that takes advantage of like my whole life and puts it into this one thing that I'm super excited about. I think it's so interesting. um, and, And I think listening to you tell that story, it's important to to keep your eyes and your ears open. Cause like, you never know like when something is going to happen and it just triggers you and you're like, Oh my gosh, that is what I should be doing. <laughs> I know it was remarkable actually, because it was one of those, that hits you over the head that taking classes from Trish just sparked this passion. And I took one class then I took another class then I took another class. And then it got to the point where Trish said, when are you ready to take this certification exam? And I said, what? And then I did that. And then I did more work and more volunteering. And then I realized that after a significant period of time and seeing my own clients that I was actually ready to take the official certifying exam, which is why I'm a certified professional dog trainer through an oversight organization. But it's a really unregulated industry. And so I felt that it was really important that I get that certification to show my clients, to show my peers, to show anybody who cared that I am taking this really seriously and that I want to further my education and um, and continue learning. There's a lot of continuing education opportunities for dog trainers because it's a changing field that's based on science, which is what I love so much. I taught high school biology, and so I love that part of science. And now dog training and actually parenting, a lot of it is based in science and that 
there are lots of studies that show that when you use rewards-based training, it's a more effective teaching strategy than when you use punishment. And so that's what my parenting advice and my dog training advice is all based on. So I get that applies to human kids too. I only know about dog kids. (laughs) Oh, it totally applies to kids, kids, you know? So if you reward behavior, you want repeated, then you see more of it. And it's amazing. In fact, I've got a free reward chart on my website and it was, it was one of those things that I created and I was all excited about. And then it was kind of ugly because I didn't have any skills. It was before Canva, before my knowledge of Canva anyway, And I remade it yesterday and now it's beautiful and I feel all excited because I want parents to, again, practice rewarding their kids Um, because, again, we want them to repeat good behavior around our dogs. Like you have a beautiful dog right now sleeping behind you on the couch. I see him. And we the last thing we want is for a kid to go up to a sleeping dog and bother the dog. The classic. I know. He he heard you. He heard me and he says, oh, I see something out the window. I love that you redid that rewards worksheet and like, I keep hearing you saying how much you love learning and love, you know, experiencing new things and you're constantly updating things, it seems like. Um, So this is a good little transition to talk about a lot of the things that you do online. So you're amazing. You have online courses, membership, um, a Facebook community that has like almost 2000 members in it. So you're obviously always kind of keeping up to date with the latest things. So when, when did you first start doing, what was your first online offering like that, I guess? Um, my first offering was the Facebook page. So I just had the business page and I was trying to figure out what kind of content to share. And it this has been a transition over time. And that's been really hard, actually, because I want to provide value. And I want to provide value to parents with kids and dogs. But what ended up happening is I attracted an audience that was about half of parents of kids and dogs and half of other dog trainers who were looking for content about kids and dogs to share on their pages. So the problem was, is that everything that we're learning about in terms of like, you know, who do you create content for and all this stuff is really hard because I'm trying to provide content for the potential client. And if I'm trying to figure out this whole retargeting thing, which by the way, has me completely stumped, I would be retargeting the wrong audience because I'm not necessarily trying to target trainers. So that has been an interesting process. And that's what encouraged me to form the group, which was um, that it's called Parenting Kids and Dogs. And it's only for parents of kids and dogs. Although there are a few dog trainers that have <coughs> snuck in there under the radar, but it's because they have children or they are pregnant. Um, And so I've decided to kind of cut them some slack. And the good news about those people being in the group is that they have started to provide some really excellent advice for some of the questions that have been coming up lately, because it's overwhelming me and I can't answer all of those questions anymore. But it it is really a neat group. And I am very careful to remove anything that makes people feel bad or that um, is judgy and we don't allow any breed bashing because every dog is an individual and um, and we only focus on positive reinforcement strategies. So there are there's no discussion of punishing dogs and using shock collars and those kinds of things as a way to, sorry, my puppy, <laughs> uh, classic, um, as a way of 
you know, as a way of dealing with problem behavior, because that's not the kind of strategy that we want people doing for their children or for their dogs. That must be hard to keep up with. I, I know from a lot of Facebook groups that, that I'm in, um, they can get big and they can get hard to manage. Um, and I just think the nature, I was just thinking about this yesterday. Um, the nature of Facebook is, you know, so many people see a post, they're, they're, they're just looking at it on the fly. They're maybe in the middle of doing something else and they see it and they want to reply and they reply right then in that second. And they're like, Oh, that's it. I did it. I replied. They don't take any time to like, think about it, edit it. No one's like researching in order to write a response to a Facebook comment, you know? So people just don't think things through a lot of times when they comment and it can get a little bit nasty. Um, so, you know, it's, it's important to, to manage that. So do you manage all of that yourself? You like oversee the group? You know, I try to, but it's, it's been a really interesting process actually. So I was doing all of it myself. And then, um, there were a couple of people who were really devoted and really giving consistently awesome advice. And they started sending me messages like, Oh, I'm really worried about this comment or this is misleading or things like that, where it started to get a little bit uncomfortable where I just didn't feel like I had enough eyes because I'm doing, I'm still meeting with clients and stuff over video. So I wasn't on there all the time. And so what I decided to do is I picked two women, both very different. One is a certified dog trainer who does not have children, but she is going through fertility treatments. And another woman who has literally just been in the trenches with a very anxious dog and a toddler. So she is fresh, like she is full of empathy. And, um, and I asked them if they would be volunteer like moderators or admins or whatever um, to help me and to chime in when they noticed that I hadn't responded or they could moderate or they could recommend, Hey, you know what? Maybe you need a consult with Michelle. Um, and in exchange for that, I, I added them to my membership so that I could give them a something like a thank you. I, I can't pay anybody because I'm still not earning that much money, but right. I did think, you know, maybe they could benefit from being part of the membership. So that's, That's kind really of nice. the trade that I gave them. Yeah. So, t- so tell us about your membership. Um, what's, what is that like? Well, oh my gosh, that's a work in progress. So one of the neat things about the pandemic is that it gave me a lot of time to work on stuff. And so I was very productive. I took Tribe with Stu McLaren, and that's where I learned strategies about how to set up a membership and what that looks like. And all the components that go into it, which is why as sort of a, not totally a perfectionist, but I do have high standards for myself, which is why I probably feel like it's struggling is because there's so many pieces that I could be implementing and it's just impossible to do it all. Um, But, you know, none of us can do it all. You can't do it all. And I think that also like the people in your membership, they also can't do it all. So if you, if you were to offer like a million things, it's like too much. They get overwhelmed and then they're like, Oh, I can't do this. (laughs) Well, And actually it's really funny that you said that. So that is something that I am really trying to work on. And it is a balance because I was talking to a friend last night who also did tribe and she's working on her membership. And she used this analogy that was so perfect that I have to say it, which is it can feel like drinking from a fire hose where if you are giving too much content, then it's impossible to, feel successful because you're missing something, right? So 
and and this is something that I am learning to really remind my members over time, right? So my members are parents of kids and dogs, and they're trying to have a happy life with their kids and dogs. And maybe it's because they feel like um, things are unsafe. Maybe it feels like their dog might hurt their kid by accident, or maybe they have a fearful dog and it's afraid of the kids, or maybe they're just overwhelmed and they feel guilty because their dog isn't getting the best of them anymore now that they have kids. And so my membership I have, I have sort of three pillars and this is recent where I finally figured out what these three pillars are. And it has clarified things for me in terms of a content content creator so that I am creating stuff that for me, if it doesn't fit in one of these three pillars then it doesn't belong in the membership. So number one, I have some dog training advice that comes out and we try to pick one theme each month. And this is a theme that specifically is a huge problem for families with kids and dogs. So I, I want to really help families with issues that are problematic. So for example, if you have a dog that barks and you're worried it's going to wake up the baby, that's a problem for a family. Or if you have a dog that has terrible door manners and you have a new infant and you have visitors all the time, then that's a problem, right? So there's, or if you want to go on a family hike and the dog might pull you over on the trail, obviously danger for the kids or for you. Okay. Second pillar is chaos to calm right? I want to give them management strategies and I want them to learn how to understand their dog. So in that we talk about literally safety and management or dog body language so that I can help them really understand how their dog feels. Because if they don't understand how their dog feels, then they can't help. They can't intervene. They can't be a supportive parent. And then the third pillar is family fun. And that is really fun for me as a teacher because with that section, we really dive into activities the whole family can do together. So that is from things like a dog walk scavenger hunt or certain puzzles or all kind and even fun activities. Like recently we did a live class where we made a flirt pole, which is a fun, super fun dog toy. You probably know what that is. And it's a really fun dog toy and you can have the dog chase it. It helps with impulse control, but it's a great way to get some wiggles out in the dog when you may not have time to go for a big hike or something. Yeah. And that's probably something, a really fun game that kids and dogs can play together. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. So I figured the three pillars really helped me clarify the content. And it really also gives my members um, the opportunity to say, you know what, I don't actually need any dog training tips this month, but I really want our family to do more activities together. So I want to focus on that. So I'm trying to shrink that fire hose and turn it more into like a straw, you know, where, where it's like, okay, what is manageable for you? Because I don't, I do find that it's very common in memberships that people quit because they're overwhelmed, not because the quality of the content wasn't good, but they feel bad that they haven't been able to take advantage of what you're offering. Yeah, that makes sense. And and especially with your audience, probably, you know, something that is in common with with a lot of the people in your membership is they're strapped for time because keeping track of dogs and kids and life, you don't have a lot of spare time. So they probably aren't spending they're probably not working on this every single day. Right. Exactly. Okay. So you have uh, your, you do online training, virtual training with people. You've got your membership. And then just recently you started 
your own podcast. So, you know, what was your motivation for that? Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy. It is a lot of work. I think a lot of people are like, I'm going to start a podcast. Um, but you're probably finding that it's a lot of work. (laughs) So, um, what, what was your reasoning behind why you wanted to start your own show? Well, I, I wanted to find a new way to reach my audience. I know that as a mom myself, I love to listen to content on the go because I feel like it's a way that I can multitask. So I often listen to podcasts in the car. I listen to podcasts when I'm on dog walks and I find it's a really good way to consume content and learn things or be entertained. And so that's partly why I did it is because of convenience. And I know that I know that a lot of moms, especially with babies, are like they'll listen to podcasts when they're breastfeeding or feeding the baby or whatever. Um, The other reason, honestly, is I wanted to try to drive more people to my membership. And so I was very intentional in my podcast about not mentioning my free Facebook group because I find that a lot of people will go there and try to stay there. But instead, what I tried to do was to give the call to action at the end of the podcast to say, if you would like ongoing support, get on the wait list for my membership. And and then I mentioned Instagram and Facebook just as a like, just follow me or whatever. But I But that was the main call to action is get on the wait list because I just feel that there are people that need ongoing support. Um, What happens with parents, and this is very common actually with dog owners as well, is that you go to puppy class because you have a puppy and you're very motivated and you're very excited to do all the things right. And then your puppy's a good puppy and you're like, okay, done. And you stop. And you don't realize that later on when your dog's an adolescent, that they will turn into a terror because that's what adolescents do. And that then later you may have another issue down the line and later you may have another issue down the line, et cetera. And so as dogs age and develop, new issues come up. And the same thing is true with children. And so parents don't always realize, and they don't, first of all, they don't even know that somebody like me exists, which is part of the problem. That's another reason I started the podcast. But also, I just think that they don't realize that um, there is ongoing support necessary to keep you sane, that a baby is one thing, a toddler is an entirely different ball of wax. And a lot of dogs are freaked out by toddlers. They don't care about the baby so much, but that doesn't mean you're in the clear if the dog likes your baby, because the dog doesn't actually even know that the baby is the same person as the toddler. They don't know. It's like an alien. It's like a little monster in the house. And once they start running around, it's a whole different ball game. Yes. And so ongoing support is really what the membership is meant to do. And I don't really know how to get the word out about it aside from, you know, things like the podcast and talking to my members in the Facebook group. So, well, it sounds like you've, you've really put a lot of thought and intention into it. And, um, you know, I, one of the things I have, when I first started my podcast, I heard someone say a podcast is the only type of media that people consume can consume while they're doing other things. Like you said, walking or driving or cleaning or whatever. You can't really watch TikTok videos 
while you're walking. <laughs> um, you can't comment on Instagram, you know, while you're cleaning the house. Um, so podcasts are the only thing that you, that busy, really busy people <laughs> can actually have time to, to consume in terms of media. So it, it sounds like you really thought about your audience. Um, you know, it, it, I think it can be so tempting, you know, to, like make silly TikTok videos and maybe I'm going to get TikTok famous or whatever. But, um, but it's important to consider like, you know, exactly what do your, what does your audience have time to do? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that's a really important distinction because I can, my son, my teenage son is the one who told me about TikTok. I mean, obviously you hear about it, but he's the one that finally got me an account. And, and then I, and then he started sending me funny videos on it and I can sit there and laugh so hard till I almost pee myself. However, I don't have time. Like I, I haven't been on it in probably a month because I just don't have time to sit down. And then it's like going down a rabbit hole where, you know, you can be on there for hours before you even know what hit you. And I don't have time for that. And a new parent or a parent who is working and managing homeschooling and all the things right now, no way. I mean, maybe it's what they do when they're like, trying to pee, like they're trying to maybe watch three TikTok videos, but I would probably assume they're on Instagram or Facebook and not on TikTok. So it's really hard to identify where my people might be um, because they are so busy. And I think the podcast, exactly for the reasons you said, it's something that they can digest while doing other things is probably the biggest perk. Yeah. Um, okay. So one other like area I want to shift to while we still have time is, is the whole topic of like having a really specific niche, because I have been a big believer in having a specific niche and I've gotten even more specific over the years. Like any chance I have to be like, how can I narrow this down more? I do it. And it's so counterintuitive. So many people, um, you know, like civilians, <laughs> they're, they're like, what about, what about the cat people, Tori? What about the dog dads? What about this? And I'm like, no, I don't know. It's really like dog moms, petpreneurs, you know, I get super specific and it, I'm blown away. Like the more specific I get, the more engagement, the more people sign up for things. It's amazing. So you have a very specific niche yet you have, you know, thousands of members in your free group, you've got successful membership, all this stuff. How do you feel about niching down and and getting specific? You know, I think it's crucial. I mean, I, there's a lot of jacks of all trades or Jill's of all trades out there. And, um, and I, I don't know. I feel like with any industry, no matter what industry you're in, there is too much information out there. There's too much, too many, specialties and arms and branches that it's impossible to be good at everything. And so what I would rather do is be good at one thing, be acceptable at other things, and then have a really good team that I can refer out to for the stuff that I don't feel confident at tackling myself. So for example, I have a very good friend. We actually have the same mentor and did all the classes together. And she loves working with aggressive and reactive dogs. Thank goodness, because that is not what I want to do. I don't want to be with dogs who want to bite me. Thank you very much. Um, And so granted, I do have some of that with my kids' clients. There are occasionally dogs that have bitten the children, but 
that's usually for another reason. It's not because the dog um, has major issues in and of itself. It's because the child was inappropriate and the dog was responding to that. So I can handle it in some capacity, but I love to have a network to refer out for other things. There's another friend of mine who specializes in separation anxiety. She gets all those clients. So I think that there's something to be said for having an audience find you and say, oh my gosh, she knows how I feel. And that is my goal, right? I want my people to feel like they found an online home, that they've come home, that, they, that they've met the person who has been in their shoes and that would give them a hug if they could, you know, and say, I'm so relieved to have found this support. And, I, and I've been getting more and more messages lately. Um, I got one this morning from a woman who... Um, it was just really sweet. I've been following you for so long and I never said hi, but this group has helped me so much. And now I, I want to refer my best friend who's pregnant, but I don't know how to do it without hurting her feelings. You know, things like that. Like, it's really sweet that people send these messages of like, I don't know how I would have gotten through this phase without you. So that I think is what niching is all about. Yeah. It, it just goes to show, you know, your whole entire approach to everything. And I, and I, I love that message, that woman, you know, I, I want to share this with my friend, but I don't want to imply that she's not parenting her dogs and kids well. Um, and it and it just, you know, backtracking to when, you know, you were talking about your Facebook group being a really positive, kind place. You know, I think that that's just so important in, in the dog training world. And, and even though I'm not a parent myself, but, you know, it seems like parents of dogs and parents of children can be very judgy <laughs> of others. The worst. Um, the worst. Yeah. So it's, so I think, you know, having this kindness, that seems to be like the river that runs through everything that you're doing, which is great. I'm trying. I'm trying. And it's actually funny. I got a message this morning about my podcast that came out today. Episode number four, when you and I are talking, Yay! it's very new. Um, and he said, he said, wow, that was an intense topic. And I wrote him back and I said, I know I cried when I recorded it. And he said, that's what makes it so appealing is that it was a sensitive topic and I got upset and I cried. <laughs> and that's just who I am. Like, I am just one of those, I'm a happy crier, I'm a sad crier, but I, you get me, you just, I, I'm just, I try to be as authentic as I possibly can. And, and I have also learned, I, I think this is important to say to your audience in particular, that I think I'm finally at the point now where I sometimes know what has to be said is not what people want to hear. And I have to say it anyway. And so I have to try to figure out how to say it in a way that people will hear it and not just shut down and get super defensive or say, she's not, she's not telling me everything's okay. And sometimes things are not okay in my niche. And I don't want your dog to get euthanized because it made a mistake. And so it's my job to help you set your dog up to not make a mistake and to set up your child to not make a mistake because I yeah. don't want your child to end up in the ER. And these things happen with dogs and kids. And I would really like people to change the narrative that you and I both see on social media all the time about very unsafe interactions with dogs and kids. Dogs are not furniture. You should not be putting your baby on your dog for a cute photo because while you may think it's cute and a lot of people on the interwebs do, 
I have a nervous breakdown because it is you're you're essentially modeling poor behavior for other people who think that they should repeat that for their baby announcement or whatever. And so I really want to change um, the bar of what is okay and what is not okay. And so I do think someday I would love to speak at a social media conference or something like that with regarding pets, because I think that social media influencers have a very important role to play in influencing safe behavior, not just doing what they think is quote cute. I love that. Okay. We have to have that conference that, that needs to be a session somewhere. I love that so much. I right off the top of my head, I'm thinking of like a million different topics related to that. Um, you know, like the responsibility of influencers, no matter if you have a thousand followers or a hundred thousand followers, um, what you post online does influence what other people do. Um, so especially with our dogs, it's really important to put a good example out there. I think so too. Um, okay. So speaking of dogs, um, I know we've been talking about dogs this whole time, but our own dogs have made their voices known on this episode. So (laughs) embarrassing. I'm so sorry. You're a real person. I'm a real person. Um, setting a good example doesn't mean that they have to be like quiet, like seen and not heard all the time. Um, Yeah. Cause they're real dogs. So tell us, tell us briefly, um, about your dogs. Well, my little one that you hear squeaking so much, he is, um, almost 16 months. He's a border terrier and he has not had his nap this morning. And so he is just struggling with his feelings. <laughs> He's having big feelings and he expresses himself with his voice, which is really unpleasant. And I'm trying to figure that out. So That's Pippin. He's adorable. Thank goodness. Um, And then my bigger woofing dog that you may have heard once or twice, her name is Barley, and she is a 70-pound, 12-year-old old lady, um, a mixed-breed shelter dog, a foster fail, um, who came to me with a broken leg and a bright pink cast when she was a baby. Aw. Yeah. So sweet. Um, So tell us, uh, Michelle, where can where can people go if they might want to like see a picture of Pippin and Barley? Are they on oh, your social media? They are. <laughs> you know, I should share them more. I it's such a juggle between how much do you share of your own cute dogs and how much do you share of like your content. But I am on um, Instagram at Pooch Parenting, so you will find a mix of some Pippin cuteness, a little bit of Barley. She's older, so she doesn't get to go out and do much, um, and then you know, educational content about dogs and kids and parenting in general. And if someone wants to share their, share your membership or your resources with a friend in need, <laughs> um, what, what what's the right website to send them to? That's wonderful. So the membership is safekidsanddogs.com. So safekidsanddogs.com is my membership. And if it's not open at the time people visit this, there will be a waiting list form that you can fill out. And I tend to open it to people just on that list. So it's sort of a VIP list. Um, and then my regular website that has online classes and other links to the podcast and stuff is poochparenting.net. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. This was such a great conversation and um, you've sparked like so many more ideas. So we'll have to do more in the future. Oh, I would love that so much. I love talking to you, Tori. What did you like most about this episode? 
Find me on Instagram at teamistic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.